0: Thanks Eric. Every um, week I sit down and open up the word that I've got before me to speak on the great privilege that it is and I do this hard work and every week I sit there saying to myself a little narrative keep it simple, 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 try and wrestle to keep it simple. I've struggled to keep it simple this week. Uh, Partly because there's a lot in this passage and um, I think God's got some good things to say. And partly I think that to understand it, as at least as I've, as I've come to understand it, you've got to do the hard work. So I, if it's sort of like a caveat. We're going to be doing a little bit more hard work than I usually would like to do. But I'm hoping that you will get a sense of John 14 in a greater way. And therefore the great kingdom purposes of our God and Saviour. Let me pray. Father, help me as I explain your word to keep it simple And Lord, by the power of your Spirit, help us to understand and discern and weigh your word, that we might be changed by it through the power of your Spirit, and be conformed to your likeness, and be further drawn into your kingdom purposes. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus knows that he will be betrayed and arrested. falsely tried I'm just having trouble IT problems there we are Jesus knows that he'll be betrayed, arrested falsely tried and crucified so what he does with this knowledge is he gathers his disciples into an upper room and he shares a Passover meal with them and he loves them to the end In meekness and majesty, he washes their feet and takes the very lowest servant's role. Now, their entire world is about to fall apart within hours. But Jesus shows us that he is in control, even in this chaos. Judas Iscariot leaves to betray Jesus, to do his deal. And Jesus says to his other disciples, just love one another. As I have loved you, love one another, and everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. and Peter says, I'll stand by you. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you will betray me. Before the cock crows three times. It's a rather disconcerting, uncomfortable meal. So Jesus says to them in chapter 14, he says, take comfort... In fact, I want you to trust in me, just like you trust in God. I'm going away to prepare a place for you," he says to himself. "If I go to prepare a place, aren't I going to come back and take you to be with me?" And he says, "You know the way to the place where I'm going. You all do." They're listening but it's a bit like me at university in my thermodynamics lectures. I'm listening. I'm kind of following. But I'm basically lost. I don't know exactly what's going on. So the disciples, three of the bold ones, they put their hand up and they start to ask some questions, three questions. You see, Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And The first one to speak up is Thomas. It's a, sorry, sir, but I don't get it question. This is the humble, I'm lost. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, I am the way. And the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You know me; therefore, you know the Father, and therefore you have seen the Father, Thomas. Now we'll Philip asked the next question, and it's the oh wow. I think I get it. That means Philip thinks he get it. Philip says, Lord, yeah, yeah, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. I get it. You're going to show us the Father. Have a vision of God. But Philip doesn't get it. Jesus shakes his head and says, Philip, haven't you been with me such a long time? Don't you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And if you love me, you'll keep my commands. As he said earlier in John, I am the Father, we're one. There's nothing more to see. And he promises then he'll send another, because he's going away, so there'll be another advocate, another one to come alongside to strengthen and encourage and teach. The spirit of truth is coming. Because Jesus says, listen, I am going away. So we get to verse 18 and 19. And Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, this is a key phrase, before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you, my disciples, you will see me, because I live, you also will live. So the world won't see, but the disciples will see. And so we get the third question, this time from Judas, not Judas Iscariot, he's already gone. Judas, son of James. And Judas's question. Well, this is really the challenge question. This is kind of the smarty pants kid in the lecture, the kid who thinks the lecture has not quite got it right. So he says, puts his hands, puts his hands, says, "Lord Jesus, are you sure about that? Uh, you're not sure you haven't got it wrong. Made a little mess up here somewhere, Lord, because I think I think this doesn't make sense." You see, Jesus, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? You're the Messiah. It's what you've been telling us. You're the king who will reign. You came into Jerusalem riding on the donkey and everyone seemed to think, here comes the Messiah king. Here comes with you the kingdom of God, Jesus. This is big. How can the Messiah not be seen by the world how can when the kingdom of God comes in power how can that not be seen by the world and only by us disciples I think you've got it wrong and if you look at what follows if you have your Bible and I've read through this with a few people and it's like everyone says well it's like Jesus just ignores his question Jesus just carries on with much of the same style of teaching. And it does kind of read like that. But I actually think this whole secret of this passage, particularly chapter 14, if I, if I was redoing this series through chapter 14, I would actually base each talk on which question? Because I think this third question is the secret of everything that Jesus says that follows. Jesus does answer this question. And his answer, I believe, is similar to what he says to Pontius Pilate when he's standing in trial before his crucifixion. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would prevent prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but by now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then, says Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I'm a king, all right. I'm the king of truth. I'm the king of my people who listen to me. Not like the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom is imminent. But... When it is seen, when it comes, in its imminency, it will be seen only by Jesus' disciples, those who trust, love and obey him. In John 14 and 13, those three words are intertwined like an indivisible rope. You have to love, you have to trust or believe, you have to obey. They are the ones who will see the kingdom. And then Jesus goes on in his discussion with um. With Judas to say actually Judas we're coming you'll see us the father and I the we we're coming we're coming for you and with us when we come so comes the kingdom in power and it's just around the corner we're coming says Jesus since Jesus says in verse 23 there, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Those who love me, those who obey me, those who believe. We're coming to them. Now the world won't see that, because they have no part in me. They don't love me. They don't obey my commands. But you will see and know. In fact, we're going to prepare a place. Jesus says, I'm going to go away to prepare a place for you. He's got this paradox. I'm going away. I'm preparing a place for you. But while I'm going away to prepare a place for you, we're coming to make a home with you, says Jesus. inside you, in this world. See, my kingdom is not of this world, but it will start with those who trust and love and obey me. Now, how is God the Father and Jesus, who's Jesus is going back to the Father, and they're going to make a home for us, how are they going to come to us and make a home in us? These two homes, how's that going to work? Well, Jesus has already told them, just in a little bit earlier in the chapter, that he will send the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, whom in this passage he now calls the Holy Spirit. All this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you in this time. But at that time, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. God comes to his people in the person of the Holy Spirit. God in fullness comes to those who love, trust and obey. Now, here in John 14, I believe there is mentioned here a specific gifting a specific ministry that the Holy Spirit will bring to those first disciples so that they will remember what Jesus has said so that when the church expands, they can teach what Jesus has said. And when it comes time to write down what Jesus did and said, the Holy Spirit will remind them and so we have the New Testament Scriptures. Now, I think that's a unique part of what's being said here. But the Holy Spirit is also sent to every believer and brings unique gifts to every believer God with us God in us and as the Holy Spirit comes so comes the kingdom of God because God comes to rule in us we become the temple of the Holy Spirit the scriptures say the Pharisees in Luke chapter 17 was asking when's this kingdom of God coming and Jesus says Well, the kingdom of God is actually within you. This age that we live in, between the now and the not yet, well, God in this age lives in us by his spirit. So you can see the question that Judas asked, Lord, why do you intend to show us yourself to us and not to the world well the world has no part in my kingdom but those of you who have come to me and believed in me you have a part in my kingdom and my kingdom comes to you by the holy spirit the spirit is our birthright and this wonderful passage in ephesians chapter 3 no that's that one Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul prays for the believers in Ephesians. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. There is the Spirit coming to us. This is the prayer. And when we've got Christ in our heart, ruling by His Spirit, I pray that you, being rooted and established in that love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. You and I who believe, we are are a down payment of the kingdom that will be realized in its fullness as the kingdom comes to us now by the Holy Spirit. You are indwelt by the very presence of God. You are so powerful. God's purposes are being worked out through you by His Spirit. That is the Word of God. And as you come to know more of God's love, so so, so the power of the Spirit is released more. If you're anything like me, you like to give... Satan, a free run all too often. You say God doesn't love me much. How could God love me? I'm, I'm not a powerful Christian. There's no power in me. I'm a failure. Oh, there's other Christians. They're they're good, but but I'm useless. I'm a nobody. Am I even a follower? Of Christ? Does God love me? That is the Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He sits there accusing you and telling you that you are useless. And Jesus says, I'm giving you my spirit. And Paul prays that as Christ dwells in our heart by faith by the power of the Spirit that we might grow to know more and more and more and more of the love of Christ in all of its majesty and greatness and power. For I am a child of God and He loves me unconditionally. And He has filled me with His Spirit and I am empowered to serve Him. And I am precious. And God cares. And there is, for me at least, this is majesty. there is purpose in my life. God is not just going for a day trip through me. He is working out his purposes, even through me and you. Be gone, devil. Do not let Satan accuse you. When that narrative starts, get rid of it. And when the world says of us Christians that we are the scum of the earth, they can say that, but they don't know the Spirit. They don't know the kingdom. They don't know the power of forgiveness. They don't know the glories of love and sacrifice in Jesus. Do not let them accuse you. Stand strong and firm. And when the kingdom comes in power and the Spirit indwells us, so comes peace. And Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I do not give as the world gives. The world gives a lot of, gives you a lot. The world will give you a lot. You play your cards right. You have the right opportunities. You don't get sick. And the world will give you power. And the world will give you money and influence. And you play your cards right and you work things. with the world will give you status. I want a bit of status. It might give you some fame. It will give you a measure of fame. It might give you the blush of youth. So you can say, I'm 24. I can do everything. Look at those old people. And you're right. If you're 24 and I'm 53, I'm thinking, I wish I was 24. You're right. The world gives you lots of good things. What about sexual desires, however and whenever and whatever you want? The world can give you that. The world can give you lust on a flat screen. Easy. The world can give you that. The world can give you a good time in a bottle or a good time in a pill canister. Where else are you going to find that? And will those things give you peace? Any one of them? I am somewhat envious of Taylor Swift. She is good looking, she's young. She's got a good voice, she writes, I think, quite good songs. She knows how to perform quite good songs, quite well. She's famous, she's wealthy and adored. I'm envious of Taylor Swift. I don't know that I want the sex change, but I wouldn't mind being Taylor Swift. I saw pictures this week now whether this was reality or not but I suspect it might have been the way the stuff I saw online was um, two security guards carrying a great big massive suitcase out of her apartment no one's seen her for months and the speculation is I think Zayn Malik said something about her in suitcases so the speculation is that actually the way Taylor Swift leaves her house undercover is in a suitcase into the back of a car do you reckon that's peace I wish I was Taylor Swift traveling around the world in a suitcase <laughs> seeing every country fearful of going out fearful of people always struggling to be myself having to get up every second or third night and push myself into a projection of something bigger than I felt in my heart gifted though I am Jesus says, I give you peace and I don't give you peace like the world gives. Because money, status, sex however you want it, power, fame, none of those things give you peace. Just find the people here who have got lots of money and tell them how much peace you get out of it. Find the people who have got lots of influence, lots of power, Find how much peace the power gives them. Find the people here who are good looking and young. Talk to them in 20 years time. (laughs) Find how much peace even being good looking and young gives you. Jesus doesn't give peace like the world gives. He gives you a kingdom He gives you hope. He gives you forgiveness. He gives you his spirit. Here's how the Apostle Paul understood it. As he writes to the church in Philippi, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I was going to say it again. Rejoice. It's peace. Let your gentleness, which is real, let it be evident to all. Let them see your gentleness. Ah, the Lord is near. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious. With thanksgiving, hand it all over. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I do not give as the world gives says Jesus. We're living between the now and the not yet in this current age where the Spirit indwells us. We're living in a fallen world but we have the Spirit of God. We can cast our cares on the Lord. And God comes to us and causes us to live obediently as citizens in His kingdom. It's a great hope, Judas, to be caught up in the kingdom, where the kingdom comes to you. And Jesus then says, in a sense, don't forget that we're coming by the Spirit, because actually I am, I want you to be clear about this, I am going. And that is so much better. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I am going away. In the Old Testament, there was a promise that God's Messiah would reign, set up a universal, eternal reign. He would reign Seated at the right hand of God the Father. Psalm 110. The Lord said, This is a Psalm of David, Yahweh the Lord, God Almighty, says to my Lord, says David, Sit at my right hand, you Messiah, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. And it goes on. It's about the rule of God's Messiah, His Son. It's the most often quoted part of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Every time referring to the rule of the Messiah. Which is Jesus, the Christ. You see, when the Son is seated at the right hand of the Father, then the rule starts. Then the kingdom is inaugurated. So... Jesus must go to the Father and take his seat at the right hand to extend his rule. And this is mentioned so many times. Acts chapter 2. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are witnesses of it, says Peter. He has been exalted to the right hand of God. And he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And what are you seeing today in Acts chapter 2? You're seeing that he has poured out the Holy Spirit on what you now see and hear. Here comes the advocate. Now that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore... Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He must go to the right hand of the Father to pour out the Spirit for you, to establish his rule as Lord and Christ. Ephesians chapter 3. God's power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at, the right, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet, Psalm 110, and appointed him to be head over everything For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus must depart to take up his throne place, to extend his rule by his spirit through the church in this current age. And that is where we are today, waiting for his glorious return and the final overthrow of Satan when the kingdom will be realized in the fullness of power. When the kingdom comes as Judas was expecting it to come when he asked his question. The New Testament is also very clear that Jesus doesn't just depart to take up his throne. He doesn't just go. Let me go to some other right-hand passages I what that is Hebrews chapter 1 the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being he sustains all things by his powerful world and after he had provided purification for sin after providing purification for sin he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven you get the order of things Hebrews chapter 10. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, in the temple, day after day. But when Jesus, the priest Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, that is his own body on the cross, He sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy, his people. One more from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, through the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God to establish his rule. Can you see the point all these are making? Philippians chapter 2. God exhorted him to the highest place after... He had been humbled to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, the road, where every knee will bow before him. The point being made, the crown of glory for Jesus, the kingdom to come in power when he pours out his spirit, only comes by way of the cross. This is God's eternal plan to establish his kingdom. By his Son going the way of the cross. If we come back to our Supper discourse in chapter 14 of John. Judas asked, Lord, why are you going to show yourself to us but not to the world? You're the Messiah and all that sort of stuff. And Jesus says, I'm going to reveal it to my people first. I'm going to reveal myself by my Spirit to my people first. but i must go the way of the cross and so we pick up that theme in verse 29. Jesus says, i've told you these things now before it happens so that when it does happen you're going to believe. Jesus knew this was happening. I will not say much more for you for here's another ruler, another power, the prince of the world is coming. but he has no hold over me. Satan is coming. That he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now, where are they leaving for? They're leaving to be arrested, for Jesus to be arrested. The prince of this world's coming because evil is about to surround Jesus. But Jesus will only establish his kingdom through the cross. And on the cross, he will bear the penalty for our sin. On the cross, he will provide peace. You see, every aspect of our lack of peace is is a consequence of sin. You have no peace with God. That's because you do things you know separate you from God. You're finding it hard to talk to God approach God or you con yourself that God's okay with you while you behave like this no peace with God because of sin what about with other people well if I could just stop being envious and greedy and selfish and back chatting and lying and selfish if I could just stop those things I'd have lots and lots of friends and I have no relational problems but the big problem you have with other people is sin no peace with self oh hopeless I'm a failure I can't do this I want I've got no peace with myself because of the burdens that I carry which are burdens of sin and pride and envy and lust and greed all of our problems with peace are problems of sin and Jesus comes on the cross and he takes our sin so that we have peace with God and by the power of his spirit the call on the commitment to peace with others And peace with ourselves—a Peace that passes understanding. Because I'm okay in the kingdom. I'm a child of the living God. I have his spirit with me now. My peace I leave with you, says Jesus. Not as the world gives do I give. I give you peace that deals with your sin. That sets you free. That hymn we sang last week. My sin... Oh, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, not what I did yesterday to Anna when I did that. My sin, not in part, but but the whole of it. It's been nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. It is well with my soul. In Christ Jesus, by the power of His Spirit, it is well with. It is well with my soul. I hope, I say a lot of work today, but I hope you've been able to see that meekness and majesty is written into every line of this dinner discourse. How are we to live? How are we to live as people who are living between the ages, filled with the Spirit, called to be God's people? I'm going to finish with leaving Jesus with the last word. Oh, I didn't put that in my notes. I'm going to finish with these this last word from Jesus. Verse 15. Now see if you can pick up how we should be living. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. If you love Jesus, You'll keep his commands. You'll love others. You'll let the Spirit have his way and find joy and peace guaranteed. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, help us to live by your Spirit, to walk in step with your Spirit. Forgive us when we quench your Spirit, Lord, and we can all know when that happens. When we say, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, squash. Help us, Lord, love your Spirit's presence within us. Help us to listen to your word and even listen to the promptings of our heart and help us, Lord, to obey. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.